There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's Davis Cup special brought to you by the UTS Grand Final. Serbia power pass GB 2-0. Sinner shines in Italy's comeback win. And we announce our competition winner for the UTS Grand Final. Kim, today is the 24th of November and we are here to catch up on the Davis Cup final eight action so far, live from Malaga. We are live from our apartment. There's not a cloud in the sky. I see palm trees. The the beach is just behind us. It's all rather lovely, isn't it? It is rather lovely. And yeah, delighted to be in sunny Spain for a spot of tennis. Can't get much nicer than that, really. Uh, We've already seen some fantastic tennis. Hopefully more fantastic tennis to come this weekend as we progress Mm. into the semi-final stage of the Davis Cup. Um, The only, I guess, downside is that we're not joined by Chris, who is still very unwell. So um, yeah, we're really sad that he hasn't been able to join us. But we're going to try and do the podcast justice aren't we Joel uh, in Chris's absence I am actually just relieved that you you actually know a bit of Spanish so you've been able to sort of get us from A to B with with the Spanish you know and we had quite an interesting Uber drive didn't we to our apartment with uh, which was very festive themed wasn't it it had a sort of big dole of father christmas uh in the back seat and then all the windows were decorated with like christmas stickers i've never seen a fest such a festive uber anywhere and if i'd have guessed maybe a country where i would have seen one maybe i'd have gone for like the states or or somewhere where they get very I mean, decorative. The, the only the only downside is I, I, I since that moment I've just had Felith navidad in my head <laughs> uh, the whole time which has been uh which has been a little bit distracting. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, big big shout out to our Uber driver. That was a, a very warm welcome <laughs> to Malaga. We started our trip right. And given, yeah, we started what? Started at 3 a.m. Uh, early early flight from Gatwick. There were a few GB fans we spotted on the flight as well. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a very interesting wake up call, wasn't it? When we got into, uh, into Malaga. Yeah, and a long day of tennis in front of us with uh, two ties mm. yesterday. And, you know, with the prospect of, you know, if GB Serbia had gone to a decider, we would have been there gone yes. well past midnight so <laughs> i wanted it to happen i think you less so well no i did want obviously to go down to the wire uh for gb's <laughs> sake but one saving grace is that yeah we got slightly more sleep last night than than the night before that's for sure uh, but before we get into all of the, the tennis we do have a very exciting announcement to make don't we joel drum roll yes we are going to be unveiling our competition winner 
for our UTS grand final tickets. We ran a competition on Instagram and Twitter for a pair of tickets plus a behind the scenes tour at the UTS grand final coming up in London mid-December at the Excel Arena. First of all, thank you to everyone who entered the competition. We loved seeing all of your entries, but there can only be one winner. And drum roll, please, Kim. It is... Ooh. Ooh. It's Alexandra McClelland on Twitter. Well done. Well done, you. Well done for winning our competition. Uh, we're going to be in touch with you very shortly on social media to sort out uh, your prize uh, for the UTS Grand Final. But yes, well done to Alexandra McClelland on winning. And we hope to see you in mid-December at the, the grand final at the Excel Arena. Yeah, well done, Alexandra. We will be in touch, so look out for that. And uh, yeah, on to the Davis Cup, I think now, Joel, because, um, yeah, I mean, how have you found the experience so far? We've, um, you know, we after we, we trekked out here, uh, various, you know, uh, levels You took of- us to the supermarket. I wanted to go straight to the tennis. You took us to the supermarket to get your... Uh- <laughs> to get your Haribo and pastries in. Haribo, Joel. I was getting I was getting the nice... Sorry, watermelon flavoured sweets. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, interesting start. Only because I know that constitutes about 60% of your diet. And <laughs> I... That is very true. I figured, that is very true. I figured we'd need some late night snacks when we got back really late from it the tennis. It was a good call. It was a very good call because we did finish really late, didn't we, yesterday? Yeah. And um, yeah, got to get a, f- a few items in for the apartment um, before we, you know, head to the tennis. So got to think of the practicalities. Um, but, you know, I was thinking and ruminating four years ago, Joel, we went to the very first rendition of these Davis Cup finals in Madrid 2019. The World Cup of Tennis. The new World Cup of Tennis um, after its kind of shake-up. You know, and we've experienced one day of action so far here. I mean, how do you think it compares? Has it has it moved on and improved, you know, over these four years it's, that it's been in this current format? I mean, I've been very impressed with the crowd and the, the turnout here. I was a little bit nervous coming uh, and, and not really knowing what to expect without the fact that, that Spain are here. Um, no United States either. And without those two presences, particularly with that that home support, I was wondering, like, are we going to be played in front of like five people in an empty arena? Because we had a bit of that in Manchester, and I wondered if it was going to follow through to the the you know to the final eight. But the the, the ties we have seen so far, the atmosphere has been fantastic, and. I think compared to Madrid four years ago, I mean, I remember when we were there, you know, there were two courts and the, the main arena, the, the was it the Caja Magica? It was, yeah, it didn't, it, it was quite hollow, I felt at, at times, but here I feel like it's been a, a cauldron of noise and it has really added, I think, to the atmosphere that it has made, you know, talking about crowds and, and turn out a, a non-event and a non-question in the, in the interview room uh, with players and, and captains where, in Manchester, it, it felt like it was the it was the the hot topic because beyond the the you know the GB ties, the the turnout was was pretty sketchy. Yeah, and here so far it, we haven't really had to think about that. Not every seat was sold, no. but you know there's sufficient seats uh, with with bums on and the band you know from different countries. We had a whole block of Dutch fans in yesterday. Five thousand Brits were here, so it really did feel 
like there was sufficient noise and support, you know, for Italy, serving all the countries we saw yesterday. So and and the play, the the experience outside around the uh, the stadium as well is is fantastic. I think it really adds a like a little festival experience to it. I, I do think the weather helps. I mean, it's it's twenty degrees and, and sunny in in late November, which is is beautiful. But yeah, it feels like there's a very very like partisan atmosphere. Everyone's getting involved, and it does make me think like. This format could work. I know a lot of people neg on the format and want to go back to home and away ties, but I would say come out to Malaga at the moment because you see it here and I would say it shows that it can it can work. Yeah, they've got a nice outdoor fan zone, which, you know, they've got the weather for that. And we're obviously getting sufficient number of, of fans here. I know Djokovic has said that he doesn't believe it should stay in one place for more than a year. You know, it has been held in Spain every year since this new format started. It's looking like the, this format is, is here to stay. Uh, there's no changes until at least 2025 um, that's been announced. So, you know, perhaps we'll see it kind of move to a different city, but I, I can't see it kind of changing from it being, you know, a European hub, given that the vast majority of the nations competing are European. I do think there is there's time for change. And, and given the, you know, Gerard Piquet and um, Cosmos are no longer involved and it's back with the ITF. I do think that they should look to spread out the finals like they have done, you know, with the, um, you know, the group stages and, and the playoffs running up to the finals. I think that, that, I think that worked really well when they played across, you know, four major cities. Um, so yeah, maybe I would like to see it, you know, be shared around a bit more, not just, not just in Spain, but I think a European city would be the most logical, logical place. And um I think it is an event where in other places you almost like look for one one location for that stability like you know Turin and the the ATP Tour finals but perhaps with Davis Cup maybe yeah it needs a bit more flexibility and have maybe single year or two year agreements where it does go around a bit because I think it is say it can bring atmosphere it can bring a new audience in because it's a it's a completely unique and distinctive uh, you know type of experience and just an event in general compared to you know what there, what else there is on the tour yeah i mean as a fan i would say somewhere with either winter sun or a christmas market uh, for this time of year it would be quite nice uh, i saw on instagram yesterday that caroline garcia was in antarctica and i just thought oh how how is she, cold. Is she scouting out new locations <laughs> for the, the Davis Cup finals <laughs> in the future? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but I thought, wow, what a place to go on your off-season. Um, but Caroline Garcia aside, let's look at the action <laughs> from yesterday because we did have GB versus Serbia. Um, this was really all resting on the first match, wasn't it? Jack Draper up against Miamir Kekmanovic. Draper you know, knew he had to get the job done to kind of give GB any any real hope. And no offence to Cameron Norrie, who was up against Novak Djokovic in the coming tie. But that match was, you know, always kind of going to go one way, bar something drastic, you know, drastic intervention. Uh, so Dra- Jack Draper was really, you know, had all the weight uh, on his shoulders. 7 6 7-6, it turned out. Two tie breaks. He lost to Kekmanovic. Um which, you know, kind of crushed British hopes somewhat, I think. But, I mean, how did you think Jack Draper played? I mean, it was it was quite a frustrating match, wasn't it, Joel? Yeah, it was. I mean, I mean, both both rubbers were frustrating in the sense that 
there were no there were no break point opportunities for either players, and uh, I think Jack Draper would be particularly disappointed with that. I don't think he could have done much more. I think what surprised me most was the level that Kekmanovic brought to the court and how he was able to sustain it um, over the period that he did because I, I know he's got this level of tennis in him but I've never seen him bring this um, for as long as he did and I thought maybe with Draper he was sort of thinking oh wait wait waiting for my chance and and that chance just didn't arrive and it sort of felt like he was always kind of playing catch up and you know the best he could do was was take it to a tie break make it a 50-50 situation and see you know see if he could nab a set but yeah i have to give all the credit to ketmanovic i was very impressed with the level he brought i mean it was a high quality it was a high quality rubber i, I feel like both players were certainly playing above um you know their current rankings yeah, I thought Kekmanovic was fantastic. I, I hadn't seen him play that well before. And it does seem that he has a lot more potential to give on the tour if he can put together performances like that. Because I thought, you know, it's, it's this evidence that, you know, he's recently been training with um, with Djokovic, you know, he's given him some, some tips and motivation. I do wonder if the Serbia environment mm. um, really does kind of spur him on. And it was interesting to see because, you know, the, the feeling among the GB press was that it was going to be either, you know, uh, Lazo I think was, was the expected um, opponent for Draper. Um, but Troitsky, almost kind of a master stroke by him to, to pick Ketmanovic, you know, must've seen in, in practice, you know, something in terms of his, his level and what he was bringing that he felt like he could get the job done. And uh, yeah, it proved to be a very, um, very smart decision to bring him in because there's something about this environment that just elevated his level. And uh, Jack Draper was like, he was competing, but it, it didn't ever sense like he was on the on the front foot. Yeah, it felt like he was clinging on. And like you said, no break points. It just felt that he was sort of clinging on and yeah if he mm. could get like one chance like one opportunity he'd, he'd absolutely have to take it and if he could just maybe get it into th that third set but it just wasn't to be you know it, it Kekmanovic was very very solid and you know Draper was asked you know numerous uh questions in press about you know was it this was it that have you, you know are you feeling under the weather you know how and you know he just kind of said like he, you know, Kekmanovic played fantastically well and, you know, it's, it's a big learning opportunity for Draper at such a young age and, you know, he did acknowledge also um, the, the the pressure of the, having that first match. Let's let's hear from Jack Draper now. Yeah, it actually seems, almost seems a bit louder here than Manchester. I think the Serbians are obviously quite vocal. Um, seemed like we had a, a really, really good, good crowd of people. Um, so, yeah, like overall... You know, obviously I'm focused on the match, but it's, again, it's an invaluable experience for me um, at a young age. I think also, you know, it's, it's difficult knowing that Cam has to go and play Djokovic after, and that's kind of seemingly a must-win match for me. Like, who knows? I'd back Cam, and let's see how he does. But it, it's definitely a, a tough challenge to go out there knowing that there's a there's a lot more almost pressure on me to win the match. But as I said yesterday, like uh, all impressed. That's that's the kind of pressure that um, if I want to be a top player, I have to have to cope with and have to perform under. And, um, yeah, it's, it's tough not to not to get the win today. I mean, what's what's interesting about that is the fact that he was going into this rubber 
knowing that Novak Djokovic, who hasn't lost in, in Davis Cup since, in a full match, I think, since like it was something like David Ferrer in, in 2009, he knew that, that expectation on him. And maybe that was a factor in, you know, in the, in the defeat in terms of like he's, he's still relatively inexperienced at this level. He's still finding his feet, you know, on the tour. So to come in knowing that, you know, Leon Smith is looking at you being like, it's on you now to get to get this because regardless of what happens next, we need to take this into a doubles. And um, yeah, it, it may be factored into his, his nerves a little bit because it's just tough with, you know, just the sheer presence of Novak Djokovic there. It's just like, you're almost kind of having going to you almost kind of going into into the tie with you know with your team what you feel like one nil down already yeah it's it's real difficult like mental state isn't it uh kind of you've got to have very very strong belief and i'm not saying that they mm. don't but you've also you know got to be pragmatic and you know the british fans they were doing all they could to to try and give cam Norrie the the edge in his match uh, against Djokovic. although Many felt that the fans were getting perhaps a bit too vociferous. I think there were some some drummers and they were drumming uh, through Djokovic's uh, like encore interview at the end of the match. They were calling out um, sometimes sort of between first and second serves. Djokovic had to tell them to shut up at, at one point, didn't he? So a bit of, bit of aggro um, with the fans. Yeah, it was a bit of un- unsavoury scenes. I think it's maybe to be expected in in davis cup you know davis cups i'd say like the the atmosphere it everything kind of goes out the window i feel compared to grand slams and, and events on the tour and um i do think you know watching it from the, the crowd i do think that the british band I, I do think they stepped over the line at times and we saw the dialogue between them and, and Djokovic kind of carry through the the match. We saw Djokovic blowing kisses to them, you know, sarcastically. I think at the end of the first set, and uh, yeah, I, I, I sort of, I'm not gonna lie, I sort of side with Djokovic, and I think it just shows that the level he is playing at, at the moment. We were just trying literally everything, I think, to to upset him, to anger the beast. But <laughs> in the back of my head, Kim, I'm not gonna lie, I was always kind of like. Why are we doing this? He's playing great tennis already. If we're just going to upset him further. It's going to just inflict, I think, more misery um, on, on Cam Norrie. And that, I feel, is essentially what happened. I mean, Cam, he played he played as well as he could. But when you come up against Novak Djokovic in, in Davis Cup, with his, with his streak that he is on, I think he's now 21 unbeaten um, in, in singles rubbers. It's... Yeah, it's a very, very tall order without, you know, Djokovic getting irked anyway by the the GB band. Yeah, I mean, Djokovic was asked about this in the press conference. So let's have a little listen to that now. Well, the entire match pretty much, you know, uh, but, you know, that's that was disrespect. But again, that's something I kind of have to be, pre- be prepared for, you know, in the Davis Cup. Uh, it's normal that uh, sometimes fans step over the line, but, you know, in the heat of the moment, uh, you react too, and uh, you, you, uh, in a way, uh, how can I say, show, um, show that um, uh, that you don't allow this kind of, I mean, this kind of behavior. I mean, they can do whatever they want, but you know, I'm going to respond to that. So that's what happened. And in the end, for whoever was there, you saw. I mean, I was trying to talk, and they were purposely starting to 
play the drums so that I, I don't talk and they were trying to annoy me the entire match. So yeah, we had a little bit of a chat in the end. <laughs> Obviously there, you know, he was saying there was there was disrespect from the British fans. And I do have mm. to agree with him. It's never the right, you know, attitude to take. Um, I was a little bit surprised by it because I, I think the GB fans are more or less, you know, courteous and respectful. Mm. Um, so it, it took me a little bit by surprise that there was some of these underhand tactics going on but i don't know if it was like levels of desperation knowing that you know we were we were slipping towards defeat we had nabbed no sets there had been no break point opportunities something needed to to change and it was almost like is this is this some sort of intervention uh from the the crowd yeah, I mean, it's going to take a lot more than that to ruffle uh, Novak Djokovic. And I, I did actually laugh at the end of that first set. He um, he blew the British fans, you know, some kisses as a kind of, you know, ironic uh, joke, I suppose. And, and I just thought that was, yeah, quite a, a nice touch from him in terms of like, you know, you're not actually going to get to me. Um, with what you're doing and I mean British fans yeah very frustrating you know you know every other tie had gone to a deciding doubles rubber we couldn't even get that far Um, however you know if you think about uh, Britain in the Davis Cup this year I think Leon Smith said in press you know won four ties lost one this was always going to be a tough ask against Serbia we had the worst you know draw so I think you know realistically on on the whole you know that the the British team shouldn't be sort of too disappointed because we did have a very tough challenge uh, ahead of them. We did, and I think a lot of people will look at Serbia as as the favourites, you know, going forward from the the semi-finals, and we 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 shall see how they they progress. But yeah, from the GB team point of view, I think they've had a fantastic season. Um, you know, Leon Smith continues to lead the charge, and I think. You know, as captain, he's done very well with the limited resources that he's had. You know, he's had to deal with the fact that Dan Evans has, has dropped out. Andy Murray's not here. He had a, his shoulder injury. So, you know, he was running really with a, a skeleton crew here. And I can't really fault the performances of of Draper and, and Norrie. They they did and applied themselves as, as much as possible. They didn't let anyone down, I, I don't think. But... It's just that the level that, that Kekmanovic and Djokovic brought, perhaps it was expected from Djokovic, maybe unexpected from, from Kekmanovic that, that got them through. Because you did wonder if the, 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 the aim of the game was to get to that decisive doubles, because that is where you felt that GB would have had the upper hand. And I think that will be the, the disappointing aspect of this, is that we weren't able to play our best hand because we weren't able to pick up a, a singles rubber. And um, I think that would be the that would be the slight annoyance. I think that they just didn't maybe get to that decisive doubles because I think they would have had the advantage there. Begs the question: Should you play the doubles first? Could you play the doubles first? You know. <laughs> well, I think from GB's point of <laughs> yes, view, please. and probably from Australia's <laughs> point of view as well, they would like to play first. But I mean, yeah, I think you know, with the singles, you know, we had some high quality matches. I think you know, it's exciting, even though in they, you know, they had two defeats there. I think from Jack Draper's point of view, it sets him up very, very well for next season. You know, he's he's what you want a challenger tour title got to the final in, in Sofia. He's getting all these incredible experiences and, and performing. He's still performing to a very, very high level. So I'm excited to see how he gets on, you know, in Australia. I do think him, and I, mean, I was talking to you about this whilst you know watching the match, I still think 
the level of margin he plays with can be higher. It felt too like a little bit too much at times on on his forehand. Like it was, like it was all or nothing. And uh, maybe there needs to be a bit more margin that that he plays for. But regardless of that, yeah, he's had a he's had a fantastic season and. Um, yeah, hoping he can stay fit going into 2024. Absolutely. Well, before GB Serbia, we did have Italy versus Netherlands, which did go down to the wire and ended up delaying the start of the GB tie by about two and a bit only, hours. It only went to like it only went to I think the third set, like in one of the in one of the rubbers. Yeah, it, yeah, the GB tie and started what two hours two hours late was it? Yeah, which you know they had scheduled two ties on one day. If every single match mm. had gone to three sets, gone the distance, uh, we you know we would have been there till potentially you know five <laughs> in the morning. So perhaps that's something to consider for next year. I know they couldn't play you know, really on the Monday of this week because of the clash with, with Turin. But yeah, it's, it's, it's I mean, a tricky one. I mean, they did start at 10 a.m. I mean, that is like, that was a good call. I think, you know, I, I think particularly we see in, in Spain with scheduling, like they'd like to start late. So I think, it, it you know, it made sense to start at 10, but having two ties on one day is is asking is asking a lot and uh, i'm sort of glad it's this was the only day that is it's happening because yeah you you didn't you've wondered whether scheduling you know was a had a bit of uh, an impact perhaps on the on the fan experience because a lot of the gb fans were just sort of waiting outside and i'm almost glad the the weather was nice and there was a you know the fan zone out there because um otherwise there just would have been nothing to do for you know 90 minutes or so maybe they had one too many beers you know before coming in <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it really yesterday it you know it was the sinner show which is uh, very much i think how the dutch uh team felt uh he was you know on form in both the singles and the doubles um you know the the first match of the day was, you know, gave gave Netherlands some hope. Botic van der Zandschulp had defeated Matteo Arnaldi in a last set tie break. That was very dramatic. Probably, you know, the most dramatic um, kind of individual moment of, of the day. It was, you know, going one way or the other. He saved a couple of match points mm. um, and, you know, gave Netherlands a bit of hope going into the sinner Greeks ball match. Um, but yes, in a d- you were loving the Netherlands fans. You, you, I think on on your Instagram, did you say they were they're the Max Verstappen fans? Well, I just you know I watch a bit of F one, and we know how <laughs> dominant Max Verstappen is, and you see this sea of orange, and that's what just you know immediately I thought, oh, I bet they all love Max Verstappen as well. Were they crowd for hire were they Max Verstappen fans coming to the coming to the tennis? <laughs> well, who knows? But I'm sure Greek Sport was was pleased to have their them there, even though you know unfortunately against Sinner he um yeah he struggled it was a it was a close first set went to a tie break but then really just ran away from him in that second set I think Sinner went five love up very very quickly and you know it was sort of um a foregone conclusion after that point to level the tie off we were all expecting a doubles between I think Sonigo and Bellelli Kulhoff and Roger but at the last minute Sinner was switched in um, and so was Griegsborg for the Netherlands. So we got to see Sinner play doubles, which we don't see very often. Was I surprised by that? Potentially, um, you know, I think Yannick Sinner on a singles court, is, he's had a fantastic, uh, you know, had a fantastic season. He's had a fantastic end to the season particularly. Um, so I was very curious to see how he stepped onto the doubles court. And um, yeah, I'm not going to lie, I was very impressed. It was interesting to hear from the... The Netherlands captain, Puhar, who's, who's 
who's a very accomplished uh, you know doubles player he won all the men's doubles grand slam titles in his career in the, in the 90s and you know he said the moment Yannick Sinner landed here in Malaga is where it went wrong for the Netherlands and uh, I think part of that was how he played in the um, was how he played in the in the doubles match you can just tell he's just carrying that confidence on from Turin that regardless of of what court he steps on singles doubles Whatever it is, um, he's just playing fantastic tennis at the moment. And uh, I think he, he gets along well with, with Sonigo. I think they have a natural like, chemistry on court. They know each other's movements. And I think that was the difference when it came to the, the deciding doubles. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, although Sinner, you know, you asked in, in press actually about Sinner and how he felt about playing doubles. He said he wasn't particularly confident especially at the net. So it's definitely some something he needs to play more of and, and work on. But I think being in that team environment, Davis Cup, that, that really helped. And, you know, just um, having the support from Sonigo, he did he did give Sonigo a lot of credit. Uh, he said it, you know, made he made it very simple for Sinner. So that's, uh, you know, nice, nice team teammates there. But um, and it was also interesting to hear from Sinner in press about, you know, how he comes into an event like this where, He's got the expectations of, of a nation on him and, and how he deals with that. I think pressure is, uh, is a privilege to have it. You know, it's, um, there are not so many uh, players who have this privilege. Um, Davis Cup pressure is different because it's, you know, that you have a big runs, uh, a responsibility to, to show because you don't have many chances. So it's... Um, it is a privilege, obviously, you know, coming here with confidence and knowing the first day was not easy and they have started so and so the first set, but still I uh, uh, tried to keep going. And uh, as I said before the, before the year, it's, it's nice that the last event of the year is a team event and they can give you good energy. So I think we're doing all the, the right things. We are a big family and then today we, we showed it. Now everyone is giving 100%. That's the least thing uh, players can do, especially when you play for, for the country. I mean, to hear pressure is a privilege, I think it just shows the, the champion's mindset, I think, that, that he possesses and the fact that you know, he, he, he almost, I think, kind of relishes it and he doesn't kind of, he just does, he doesn't bulk under, under it. And even with, with Italy, where let's say without kind of you know, Berrettini, for example, there is a lot of, there is a lot of pressure on him. You know, he's coming in to do the singles, he's doing the doubles. I think he's just expected to win every single rubber that he, he plays in. And um, I think he's just, taking it in his stride, enjoying his tennis as much as possible. And uh, he's, he's, he's delivering the results. And uh, I think we're all excited for what we, ex- we, what we are expecting is going to be Sinner Djokovic part three in, in 11 days um, in that, in that semi final Italy versus Serbia. Yeah. Because it does give us that matchup, which I think is, is the, the biggest matchup the you could ticket. get. Yeah. For, for two singles players, that are actually involved in this final eight. So we look forward to that. That's coming tomorrow. And you've got to think that the winner of that tie is the, you know, the favourite to go all the way with the other semi-final being Finland versus Australia. You've got to think it's between Serbia and Italy, really. You would, yeah, you you would think so. I think, you know, I, I would I would say the, sing, the singles, the singles, um, 
the singles rubbers particularly I think are going to be very high quality and who knows I think we also have the tantalizing prospect if it is one all in the uh, in this in the uh, Italy Serbia match going into the deciding doubles who knows maybe we get Sinner versus Djokovic on a doubles court as well which could be I think equally uh, fascinating but yeah, the, the the I think Setsina naturally kind of stepped onto the doubles court regardless of how little he has played on it this season. I mean, Kim, would you like to see him play more doubles next season or do you think he should just focus on you know his his singles workload? Well, I think he does play a little bit, but he's you know because he, he mentioned in press about playing, you know, um in in other tournaments, it, you know, like first round like you just you do it to get a bit of practice, but that that's very much different ball game to coming up at a decisive tie for you know playing for your country so I think you know he knows there's development in his doubles game that's obviously not where his career focus is but for instances like this then sure why not but you can transfer so many skills from the doubles court to your singles game as well and I think it can help make you a more well-rounded player and, and develop those skills so I, I don't see why not I just think you know you wouldn't want to sort of burn out you know we know how um, athletically demanding that the singles game is and the tour in general. So I think if he was to play a bit more, obviously finding that balance is key um, because really, you know, going for for his singles uh, performance is, is, is the, the main, you know, focus. But yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, I'm I'm here for Sina Djokovic in doubles tomorrow as well as singles. I, I hope we do get to see that. I think it'd be really fascinating. Although it may well depend on how long their singles match would would last because you know yesterday um Sinner had to you know they have like a 20 minute break but they basically have to go straight into the doubles so it would also depend on physicality but you know it's a knockout tournament so you're going to give it all you've got to try and get through to the next stage and think about the consequences later maybe definitely and I think you know on the other side of the net just on the on the Netherlands team I mean they've again I think they've had a you know they would have obviously liked to have gone th- further but but getting here, I think, was an achievement in itself. And I I do question, I don't know, I don't, I still don't really know what the reason behind Griechspor coming in for Royer was. But I think that went the other way because I think you could see Griechspor's kind of singles lim- limitations on a doubles court because Sonigo, I feel like he was just passing him, um, you know, at will at times, particularly you know the amount of of um the amount of court that he afforded sonigo um you know his forehand inside out uh, there was hit there were so many winners and sonigo just looking to his bench um getting all kind of passionate and and riled up and um yeah it, it, i think it sort of went the other way there so i i, I don't know if if Royer was was injured but i would have expected like a Royer um Royer Kohlhoff team maybe would have been more competitive and maybe would have been the the better choice than subbing in Griechspor. Yeah, I was a bit surprised at, at that as well. I know Roger's, you know, I think he's, you know, in the twilight of his career, but he's been going so, so long. He's so experienced and, you know, perhaps that would have, that would have helped. But, you know, at the same time, it's, it's you know, Harhu's obviously made that, that call. So, um, yeah, they did really well, I think, generally. And getting that first win as well for Zan- van der Zandschel, that could have gone the other way, couldn't it? They, so. I do love, that in, the, in, the, in, in press afterwards, they were very, they were typically Dutch, weren't they? They were very <laughs> laid back, very pragmatic in their, in their answers. And uh, they just couldn't get away from the fact that Italy had Yannick Sinner in their team and Yannick Sinner won Italy uh, that tie. And... Uh, there was it was almost like they were powerless to do 
anything about it. Similarly, probably how GB would have felt with with Novak Djokovic in the Serbia team. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's you know there's only you've got you can only control only so much you can your do. own yeah your own team and um, it was very much you know sinner dominance from from Italy and they'll be hoping that he can dominate in the semi-final as well. It's going to be tough, but um, we look forward to that on Saturday. Um, We're going to be reviewing the other side of the draw just after a quick break. So do join us in the second half where we'll be looking at Australia coming back from the brink against Czechia, Finland's dream run continuing, and also looking at Sky Sports who have announced a five-year deal to show tennis in the UK. So do not go anywhere. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with UTS. And Tennis Weekly is proud to be the official podcast of the UTS Grand Final in London. UTS is the world's newest, most exciting, innovative tennis league, playing an entirely reinvented game format that does away with traditional tennis rules. And the UTS Grand Final is coming to London's Excel Arena from the 15th to the 17th of December. The Grand Final features the players who have won the UTS events from around the globe, guaranteeing the best of the best will be competing for the title in London. Already confirmed a top player such as Andre Rublev Rublev, Gael the Monf Monfils, Casper the Iceman Rude, with more players to be announced, including a local wildcard. So if you are looking for the ultimate day out in London in the run up to Christmas, then secure your tickets to the UTS Grand Final now. Session passes start from £31 and day passes from just £51 for a guaranteed six matches. Go to www.uts.live for more information or use the link in the description to purchase your tickets now. We look forward to seeing you there. So let's look back at day two, which we saw Australia up against Czechia. Um, Australia were in a bit of a pickle. It's it's fair to say Jordan Thompson had lost to Thomas Machak in straight sets. And Yuri Lehechka was a set and a break up against Alex de Menor, the Aussie number one. So Alex de Menor, really uh, heroic for his nation here because he came back uh, from juice at 3-5 down in that second set to win 10 straight points, completely turned the match around and uh, winning eventually 7-5 in the third set, taking it into the decisive doubles tie. And Australia, of course, have a very um, competent doubles team in Matthew Ebden and Max Purcell. So they were able to to win that doubles tie in straight sets, although coming from a, a breakdown in each set um, to, to get the job done for Australia. What did you what did you make of this of this tie, Joel? Because obviously it could have been a very different story for Australia. Um, although perhaps surprising that Alex de Menor got himself into that situation in the first place against Lehechka. Yeah, I mean it just shows the 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 battling qualities I think Australia have. I think it's it it, it just reflects you know their captain is is Leighton Hewitt, and I feel like he's brought in these you know the values that had made him you know one of the one of the biggest legends in in the game and he's instilled those values into the into the team we saw it in Manchester where they were they were given like the toughest uh, schedule you know they had back-to-back matches against the two toughest opposition Leighton Hewitt impressed he just was not happy with with the schedule and how it was working and uh, you know they managed it managed to come through that and same you know same deal here with their backs against the wall 
that's where Australia, I think, really, really, really find themselves. And, you know, Alex de Menor, he, again, is like the bedrock of this team. And I do think there are still questions with Australia in terms of who fills that that opening match slot, you know, their, their number two position, because it has been Jordan Thompson. But, you know, I think Kokinakis was injured or he got he withdrawn and, and Popperin came in. But that for, me was, that for me feels like their most vulnerable kind of slot because de Menor has been excellent um, in what I've seen from him in, in Davis Cup this season. And then they get even stronger when it comes to that doubles with Ebden and, and, and Purcell. So I think there is still that question on, you know, starting strongly, but they certainly finish strongly with, um, you know, with such a formidable doubles team. So I think it's like it, they always kind of back themselves into a corner, but they always just seem to find a way out of it, don't they? Yeah. And obviously, you know, Leighton Hewitt as as captain is, is you know, a great, great person to have in your corner to to you know mm. to enable something like a comeback and you know they'll be up against Finland next and that's that's later today and I think you know I think Australia remain the favorites going into that match you know especially with the strength of their doubles their doubles team and I think it's I think it's reassuring for them to know that you know should it go to the doubles that they would be considered the favorites based on you know having Ebden and Purcell I mean, Kim, even Finland just getting to the semi-finals is uh, an incredible achievement. Mm. They're not the they don't even have an, they don't even have an ATP or a, a WTA Tour tennis tournament in in their country. But um, it's been, you know, the, the Finnish tennis is I think just it's just booming at the moment, isn't it? They've got such quality, uh, you know, players on on the singles and doubles court. You know, they've got Helio Vara, they've got uh, Rusevori as well. I mean, Rusevori didn't even play this tie against Canada and they still came out um, as, as the victors. So it, it's great to see, you know, what they're doing. And it, it just shows, I think in Davis cup, it's not just all about the, the powerhouse teams um, that you think just kind of flood and, and fill the, you know, the rankings on, on, on like the ATP tours. I mean, you know, for Finland, it, it's just like the, the fight and the determination that they have. I mean, they had a very, boisterous crowd in as well supporting them they're just loving every moment of it and I'm loving the fact that they're now in in the semis because it just feels like they've gone from upset to upset and and just carrying on you know where they left off in the uh in the in the group stages yeah they're definitely the surprise package of the of the whole you know tournament and they did uh do very well to to get through against Canada who you know were without Felix OJLAC and Denis Shapovalov I think it would have been a very different story if Canada had had mm. their top two singles players however you know Finland and also you know Finland without Rusevori um, for that tie so Vertinen kind of coming through in that second singles rubber against Diallo in straight sets to force a doubles decider and then you know you've got Helio Vara which you know he's a he's a great doubles player as well you know played quite a lot with Lloyd Glasspool British British player but so um they got the job done in the doubles and I mean why can't their their surprise run continue you just never know I'm quite intrigued to see how they're going to I mean fare. they're in the better part of they're in the better part of the draw aren't they I mean yeah. you know this is it it does feel like the way it's it's panned out the bottom half feels like that's where your champions are going to come from but certainly mm. there's an opportunity here for someone like a Finland you know who knows to, to, to get to the final because Australia they're not completely invincible um, and I certainly think that that first match is an opportunity for them to, to assert the pressure and, and go and go one nil up yeah absolutely I mean 
we've now got the final four, you know, Finland versus Australia, Italy versus Serbia. Uh, we did a Twitter poll on our Tennis Weekly Twitter asking listeners and our followers, you know, which of those four nations do you think are going to win the Davis Cup 2023? Um, 43% have said Serbia and 35% Italy. I have to say, I think I think our our followers are probably spot on. I I, I agree with that. I think do you um, back Serbia over Italy. I would. I think. Yeah. I'm, I think they've got a real force behind them this year. And I mean, not just this year. Obviously, they're always a very strong team if, if Djokovic is there. But just given the way Kekmanovic played against Draper, I think I think it does feel like it's their time this year. Well, so, well, do you not okay, agree? So let, right, <laughs> do you beg to well, differ? Let's, I mean, let's do let's do some predictions then because we've got mm. Finland, Australia, Italy versus Serbia. I want winner in the semi-finals and also the scoreline. Oh, okay. Uh, I think Australia two nil today. I think actually they're going to win in both their singles, and I think I think Serbia. Oh, I'm going to be boring and say Serbia 2-0 as well tomorrow. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, okay. I think so. I just think Kekmanovic might get the better of Arnaldi, assuming they're going to field both of those players. I feel like it would It would be, I think, like I, I'm almost like it would be peak Kekmanovic if he didn't bring the level, um, you know, he, he showed against Jack Draper in, mm. in the semifinals. Who knows? He might not even play in, in the semifinals. It could be... I don't know. Might be, might be Laszlo Cher. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But um, yeah, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go Australia two one. I think Finland will take it to to a doubles. I think they'll get a singles victory in that in that first rubber. Um, but I still think Australia's doubles team is just going to be too formidable and maybe a step too far for them. So I'm going Australia two one, and then Italy Serbia. Oh, are we going to get Sina Djokovic? I think we will. I'm going to go. I can't, it's hard. I'm going to go Serbia 2-1. I think again, I I'm 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 going to back Italy for that that first that first rubber, but I think Serbia just they they hear they mean business. They've got Djokovic. They're very very motivated. I'm not saying the Italians aren't, but I think I think with Serbia and the support they've got, it's it's hard to look past them. So we're both saying a Serbia Australia final. Uh, come Sunday but we'll be doing an episode before we get to that point so we'll be rounding up the semi-final action uh, we're heading to the arena a bit later on today to get ready um, before we go though Joel some other news that has come in uh, that's just been announced actually and this will concern specifically UK fans uh, who want to get their dose of tennis on a regular basis Sky Sports are the new UK broadcaster for the ATP and WTA tour they have a five-year deal beginning in 2024 so their coverage will essentially replace Amazon Prime's coverage for those of us in the UK what do you what do you make of this deal I mean it's it's not uh, a surprise you know we were only talking about Amazon Prime ending you know last week um, but are you happy that Sky Sports is the new home or are you a bit concerned about this I think um I mean, I think it, it remains to be seen. I'll, I will wait to see, you know, what, what their, their coverage and their, their presentation, you know, looks like. The fact that they've announced there's going to be more than 4,000 matches and 80 tournaments across the season tells me that we're going we're gonna to still see a lot of, of, a lot of tennis. I think the big concern, I've, I've raised this before, is going to be cost and, and access. 
it's naturally going to be more expensive, um, you know, versus Amazon Prime, which you know a lot of people have for, for different reasons. And I'm just not sure how many people are going to specifically park with what's going to be probably quite a sizable amount of cash to access, um, you know, access Sky Sports Tennis. But I mean, they're carrying on. I think some of the the commentary. And the familiar faces we've seen from from Amazon Prime coverage, we will see them, you know, on Sky Sports. And you know, they do have pedigree in tennis. You know, when I was when you know when we were growing up, you know, Sky Sports was the again it was the main broadcaster, and um, it's it's an exciting time. You can understand why they've gone in for it with, you know, Djokovic, Alcaraz, Sviontek, uh, Raducanu, and, and Jack Japer from a, a British perspective. But uh, I think it still remains to be seen. I want to see what the coverage looks like before I make any uh, make any um, op- opinions on it. But um, I think you know things naturally change with time. It's going to sting, I think, for the first few months, and there might be a bit of a bedding in period. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's we're going to have to just see how it goes. But um, yeah, it's it's a little bit like I'm a bit sad, but. A little bit excited as well because of just yeah the tennis we've got to look forward to in 2024 yeah exactly and i mean for those of you know those of our fans and listeners who who do have the package great enjoy i will be checking it out as well obviously we want to get our our fix of the the tennis throughout the year you know (laughs) 80 tournaments across the season so it it is the place to get your tennis if you're in the uk now but um that's um you know we've got davis cup to to um to enjoy first and uh you know the end of the season uts coming up in december so we'll um we'll think more about that when we've uh got into 2024 won't we joel but um i think um that brings us to a close for for this episode um i'm looking forward to getting a bit of spanish sun uh, on our way to the <laughs> arena later on perhaps some churros en route who knows yes <laughs> we do need to find the we do need to find some churros because that that is sort of that is one of the things we bonded over in in madrid and uh, we need to we need to keep that tradition alive well i'm sure we can find some somewhere in malaga don't worry joel (laughs) we've got you covered (laughs) well listeners i hope you've enjoyed our latest episode of the tennis weekly podcast remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come from malaga and the davis cup finals we're on apple Podcasts, spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there and if you like what you're hearing then make sure to leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts or spotify you can also follow us on social media or email the show we're on facebook instagram tiktok youtube and x our handle is at tennis weekly pod you can also purchase tennis weekly merch at etsy.com slash shop slash tennis weekly podcast and email us on tennisweeklypod at gmail.com and don't forget to check out our website as well tennisweekly.co.uk and we will be back over the weekend from Malaga for our semi-finals and finals catch-ups brought to you by the UTS Grand Final so I hope you can join us for that but in the meantime it's goodbye from Kim goodbye and it's goodbye from me we'll see you again soon